Well, good morning, friends. You made it through the rain. It's raining cats and dogs. It's better than the S word. The appropriate S word, right? Not the other one some of you may be thinking about. Well, hey, real quick, before we jump into week six of our teaching series, Savage Jesus, next week's Easter. It is Resurrection Sunday. This event alone is the summation of our faith. Without this, Jesus was just another Jewish boy. This changed everything. So as you came in, you probably got and sat on, probably right now, one of these cards right here that says Easter at Radiant Life. This is a fantastic way just to invite someone to church, to reach out to one person and say, hey, I just want to invite you to church this coming weekend. And I know for some of us, that, that's a little scary. Some of us feel like, I need to know my faith first, maybe before I actually ask someone to come. You don't have to. It's all right. Keep working with your faith. But this is a simple way that we just say, hey, it's a real easy way to say, just come to church. Just allow this to do the work. Does that sound good? So real quick, here's what we like to do. We've got a little statement when it comes to these invite cards. We say, each one, reach one. So repeat after me. Each one, reach one. All right, you can do better than that. Each one, reach one. What does it look like if you just got one person to come with you? One. Did you know that I was at a conference on Thursday with Ed Stetzer. Many of you may not know who Ed Stetzer is. He's like the leading researcher uh, in, in our faith, and he was bringing how unchurched people are actually extremely more receptive to the gospel, to who Jesus is, than we actually, than the media portrays. And so they did this huge research, and they said that 50, that what their statistics found out is that 55% of unchurched people, these are people who just do not come to church, said they would if you would invite them. Isn't that crazy? Let's just think of two unchurched people in your life. One of them would come if you just invited them. Did you know that 76% of the unchurched in America today say that they don't care and don't mind if you actually shared their, your faith with them? And they would actually appreciate it and value what you had to say. 76%. So hey, this is a tool, a tool that we just try to give in your hands. And guess what? I have one in my pocket, and I'm going to invite someone to church as well. So each one, reach one. One more. One more quick announcement. Next week, guess what we get to do? Baptism, right? Jesus set that example for us. He went into the Jordan River and got baptized, and then he tells us his last words to some of his disciples. He says, go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do next week. We're going to celebrate that the tomb's empty, but we're also celebrating that people are made new in Jesus, washed clean, and this is going to be a celebration. So maybe that's for you. We're always talking about what's your next step. God always has a next step for us in our faith journey. What's yours? And perhaps some of you, it's just on that handout that you got on the bottom, there's the connection card. Circle B and say, hey, I'm going to go all in next week. I want to get baptized. And Pastor Brandon will reach out to you this week, and then we'll get you wet next week. But reach out. Circle B. Circle B. Circle B. Grab your neighbor's card and circle their B, all right? Don't do that. That's mean. But kind of do that also. <laughs> but 
All right, circle B. So this week, there's Easter. Who's excited for Easter? Anyone? <laughs> I'm just going to move on. <laughs> this is our Super Bowl, friends. This is it. This is it. This is our Super Bowl, Easter. All right. Hey, part six of Savage Jesus. I want you just to turn to your neighbor and say, Savage. This week, we're going to get into one of my favorite stories in all of the gospel writers. Those are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those four guys write about the life of Jesus. This is perhaps my favorite of all of them. And what's really interesting is, take this for example. If you were to sit down and you were responsible to write about the life of Jesus, you witnessed it, you got to write about the life, what stories would you include? And what stories would you say, I'm not going to maybe not include that one? Mark is going to write a story that we're going to look at and we're going to say, I'm a little confused. That's really weird. But we're going to understand why Mark put it in there. And there's so much power in this story. On a side note, i got to give you a couple biblical cultural context within this framework so we can understand exactly what Mark is trying to say. So here we go. Mark chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. Here is the story. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now we stop and we're like, who's they? What lake are they talking about? What's this region of the Gerasenes? Where? Mark is painting for you and I the setup of the story. So let's look real quick. Here's Israel, a map of Israel. Got the Mediterranean Sea, Sea of Galilee up there, the Jordan River that runs down here into the Dead Sea. Which, side note, the Dead Sea is evaporating extremely fast. In fact, they, uh, all the people over there say, with, they think in 50 years this thing could be dried up to nothing. And it's sad. It's just the way the, our earth is happening. But when you get in there, it's a fun sea. You can literally get in there, and it's so heavy. You sit down and just roll back, and you're floating. You could sit there and read a book, not even get it wet. It's awesome. But here's the bad thing. People die. Here's what I mean by that. When I got in and my, my buddy, my mentor that took me there said, hey, just, just go in softly. Go in softly. Let the water and all the salt, the salt contents like 33 to 36%. Our lakes are like less than half a percent here. It gives you just the density there. And you sit down and he's like, if you roll over, do you got to flip back as fast as you can. So I sat down and I was like, ooh. And you go, I always got to know, why do you tell me not to do things? Is there anyone else that's like that? I, I just got to know. Like, why? So I kind of like sit and turned a little bit, and I was going. And I tried to get back, get back, and I was, that was five years ago. And so I was trying to get back, get back, and I'm like, I know why people drown in the Dead Sea. Because what happens is they flip over, and there's so much density, they cannot get themselves back upright. It has nothing to do with the story today. Just telling you. All right? What else about this map? Uh, just to give you, there's Jerusalem. There's the city. There's the capital. There's where the temple is. There's where they worship. That's where everything happens. But I really want to zoom in up here on the Sea of Galilee region because that's where the story takes place. So if we zoom in, we got the Sea of Galilee. This is where 80% of Jesus' ministry happens around here. This is also where he calls home base for his ministry. You have a city there called Capernaum. That is home to him. 
That is where he will run all operations for the next three years of his ministry out of is this city right here. You have this city, Bethsaida, which was a fishing village. And this city is important because Jesus calls at least three, maybe four of his, his disciples, his 12 closest buddies from that city right there. So they're crossing the lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's also known as a lake. It's fresh water, seven miles across, 13 miles north and south. And we're told by Mark, they, Jesus and his disciples, are crossing the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Gerasenes, which is also known as the region of the Decapolis, which is right here. Now, what's so important about this region here that Mark would write to us? Well, Deca means 10, and, and Polis is city. There's 10 Greek Roman cities, large cities in this region. Very pagan, extremely pagan gods and goddesses, temples all over. Extremely just naughty things going on in these cities. And this is where Mark is telling us, I want you to know Jesus is traveling across this lake and he's going to go right here. And something's going to happen. This is verse 2. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This is a scary dude. And Mark's saying, I, wanna, I want you to know all the details. Man, this guy is howling at night. He's crying out. He's cutting himself. The city has tried to bind him and chain him, but he wouldn't allow it. No one can subdue this guy. And I'm sitting there in my mind. I got a picture of what this guy may look like. And I think he may look like something like that. Like, I, I don't want to meet this guy in a dark alley in the middle of the night. And this is what Jesus is going to, is this. This guy that lives in the tombs, cutting himself all the time, and crying out, no matter what time of day it is. And then in verse 6, it says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he what, friends? Whew. And fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. I would suggest to you this is pretty unnerving for Jesus. And you know what I find ironic about this moment? There's only one guy out of the boat. Who is that? It's Jesus. Where are the other disciples? I'll stay over here, Jesus, in the boat. <laughs> you deal with that dude right there. We're good. We're comfortable. I ain't moving out of this boat. And yet this guy is running towards Jesus, screaming at him. And Jesus has a response. 
For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And I want you to see this. What is a legion? Remember I told you the Decapolis was Greco-Roman. The Rome ruled the world at the time. And a legion in the Roman army was five to 6,000 soldiers. And look what the guy's saying. We're many. This guy could be not just demon-possessed, but multiple, maybe thousands oppressing this guy. And watch what he does. This is... And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. That's weird. What is going on? First of all, 2,000 pigs now are just bobbing in the Sea of Galilee. Imagine that picture. My question is, why does Jesus allow the impure spirits to go into the pigs? Why do the impure spirits say, let us go into the pigs? What is going on? And what is the response of the disciples who are probably scared out of their minds in the boat going, what is happening? Well, here's a couple things to know. Remember I told you it's a pagan world in the Decapolis, the region where this is happening. The number one sacrificial animal to the pagan gods in that region is a pig. This is more than likely the sacrificial animals to those gods. That's why you got 2,000 in number right there. What did Jesus just do? He totally devastated their economy and their religious worship. He was savage. Turn to your neighbor and say, he was savage. Totally. Not only that, you know what would happen? They would, take over, they would take the leftover pigs that they sacrificed in the temple and take that meat and then go to the market and sell it to you all. And now as a person in the market, I don't have that meat anymore. Whoo, Jesus is savage. Now question, why would these impure spirits run down in, in the pigs and run down into the lake? And the disciples, this seems normal almost to the disciples. Well, water was known as the abyss and chaos. That's what it represented in Jesus' time. This literally was the thinking to the disciples. This kind of makes sense a little bit because demons would go to the abyss where the devil dwells. So it made kind of probably sense to them. To us, we're sitting there going, this is weird. But this is kind of cool. I think you see bobbing pigs and everything. Anyways, there's that. Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what happened, right? I would too. I do want to see 2,000 pigs bobbing. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, and can we read what's in yellow real quick, ready? Dressed and in his right mind. And they're scared scared you know I think we know who this guy is 
He's the guy that we labeled a freak. He's the guy that you told stories to your kids and your nephews and nieces and your grandkids. To say, hey, don't go by the cemetery. There's this guy, stay away from him. This is the guy that wakes you up at 2 o'clock in the morning screaming from the tombs as he's cutting your, um, himself. This is the guy that you sit at night saying, I cannot sleep. All I hear is his howling. Just be quiet. Now think of this guy. He's the guy that's been ostracized from that town, his village. He's the one that the family has rejected. And now, he's sitting here free from that bondage. See, you're this guy. For some of you, you know what it was like to be bound by something, and now you're free in Jesus' name. And others of you, you're this guy because you're still in the chaos. And this morning, you need to run to Jesus to say, set me free. Set me free. And some of us, you need to know this, that nobody is outside the reach of Jesus. Even that person that annoys you, that you strongly dislike, Jesus is still after them. And some of us may come into a space like this and say, you know what, there's no way with everything I got in my baggage and my history, there's no way that a God will love me and rescue me. I'm unredeemable. You need to hear that you are still in the reach of Jesus. And he's after you. And he's pursuing you. Nobody. Even when everyone else in the town writes you off, Jesus is still pursuing you. Nobody is outside the reach of Jesus. And the story continues in verse 16. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Like, I like that little statement, right? We're like sitting there going, man, dude, dude, something happened to this man. We got to go, we got to go, what in the world? Oh, by the way, there's 2,000 pigs bobbing in the sea. Let's go see that too. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Why? They didn't understand. The freak out in the tombs, he's dressed, which tells us he's normally naked, and now he's in his right mind just sitting there. What? What I realized in life is sometimes we don't get Jesus because when he's all supernatural, when the supernatural invades the natural, we get scared. We don't know how to respond. And that's what they're doing here. Jesus, just get out because we can't explain it. Just leave. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And can you blame him? Man, Jesus just radically changed this life. He said, hey, I want to learn. I want to go with you, Jesus. Come on. Like, I want to sit down on the side and say, yeah, go with him. Like, go learn him. Go do uh, what the disciples do. Become, allow Jesus to be your rabbi, be your teacher, be your savior. But all of a sudden, Jesus did not let him. He sat back and you're like, oh, that seems unsensitive. You just radically changed this guy's life and you're not going to let him go with you? <laughs> but he said, can we read this one word together? 
go. You're going to go. You're going to go home to your own people. And can we read these two words together? And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I know you want to come and learn. But I got something more amazing and better. Go and tell people what I just did. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus has done. And look what happens. And all the people were what, friends? <laughs> when Jesus changes your life, people will be amazed at what he's doing. So that's story number one. I love that story because there's a lot of weird things in it, but there's a lot of cool things in it. You know, that was Jesus' first trip to that region, was that story. Do you know Jesus goes on a second trip? Two chapters later, Mark tells us, trip number two happens for Jesus in that exact region. And in Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 7, it says this, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went down through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee. In other words, he's way up north in Israel, and he's working his way back down to his home base, the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. Now watch this. There, how many? Some people brought to him, a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. You know, the last time Jesus was in this region, they were begging Jesus, get away from us. Now they're begging Jesus, stay here and heal us. I want you to notice something. Trip number one, only one man comes, and God gives him a mission, go and tell your story. Trip number two, Jesus comes, same region. Now a small crowd wants to hear about him. Jesus makes a third trip. The other gospel writers tell us how to get, how the third trip happens. But in Mark chapter 8 it says this. This is in the region. During those days another, now what friends? A what? Large crowd gathered. This story is known as the feeding of the 4,000. And here's what Jesus says. I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Can, hold, now pause right there. Can you imagine listening to a speaker for three straight days? Like that is crazy. Right? We're anxious just to get out of church in an hour. We got things to do. I know I'm not Jesus, but three days listening to him? That's a long time. Like where's my coffee, Jesus? I may stay for some coffee or something, but... Woo! Jesus says, if I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have, watch this, have come from a long distance. Trip number one, one guy, go share your story. You got, I got purpose and mission for you. Trip number two, small crowd. Uh, Jesus, stay with us. Trip number three, the feeding of 4,000 men. And you never counted women in your numbers back in the ancient world. So you can count, scholars will say there's probably eight to 10,000 people there wanting Jesus for three solid days. Why? Because one guy, Jesus says, I know you want to go with me. But go tell your story. Friends, there is power to your story. For some of us, you may think, I don't have a story. You may be sitting here like, what are, you, what are you talking about? See, if you were like me growing, I grew up in the church, I mean, right here. 
And what I loved hearing was those crazy drug addict stories of those who were like, had the needle in the arm. I mean, I was on my deathbed. Jesus found me. I'm saved. Now I'm free. You know, those, those stories, which are incredible. Some of you, that is your story. It, it just wasn't mine. And I remember sitting there going, I want those stories. I don't have a story. My life is boring, right? I mean, I grew up in the church since I've been five. I've been following Jesus. Like, what kind of great story do I have? But then God reminded me, we all have stories. About a time when I just graduated high school and my brother-in-law was killed in a motorcycle accident. And how I questioned the goodness of God in that moment. Three years later, my best friend and college roommate was killed on Black Friday in a car accident. And I go home two days later, back up to school, and there his empty bed and desk will sit empty for the rest of the semester. And I question God's goodness again. Seven years later, my wife and I probably have the most ex painful experience in my life when we have a miscarriage. And I sit back and God reminds me, did you experience my goodness when you questioned me and when you went through that? I say, yeah, I did. And that miscarriage, I wanted to scream and yell at God. Yesterday I was on my four mile run and I got to a point where I was just praying for service on my run just to clear my head and I got to a point and I don't know if this theology is right or not. I, I do it. I don't see anything against it in scripture but I don't see anything for it in scripture and as I was running I just said God can you say hi to my son for me? And I got through the other end of that was just so much hope knowing that one day I'll see him. A child that I never met, I'll see. See, we have power to our stories. The power just to sit here and be real with someone. You don't have to share every nitty detail about your entire story, but to share it with someone. And this person over here hears your story and says, I just went through a miscarriage and I, I'm drowning. How did God get you through that? And I'm able to sit right here and say, man, I'm going to be honest, it was tough for a while, but you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, he's going to give you hope. He'll get you through that storm, I promise, and I'm here to walk with you. There's power to your story when you have bitterness in your heart towards someone and God healed that and it came out and now you're loving that person better than ever. You have a story when you feel like all, all the world and just hell is breaking through in your life and you get on the other side and you realize the goodness and faithfulness of God. You have a story and even if in, your, the, in the midst of the chaos of life you still say I will worship God. God, that's how I get through it. And your power of your story to give someone else hope. Because I know this, people, they have a hungry heart. 
I told you that statistic, 76% of unchurched said they would hear your faith out. Why? They're hungry. I would say people have a hurting heart. And you've got the best story to ever share. And that guy, that demoniac in the tombs realized, I know why I have to stay. I got to go tell my story. Your authenticity empowers others. So it goes back to the Easter invite card. Who's that one? Maybe it's not yet. Maybe it's just a slip of this and say, hey, I just want to invite you to church. Or maybe it's, hey, I know you're going through a rough patch. Can I just share with you how I got through my rough patch? Not all the details. You don't have to go there. But there's power to your story. So turn to your neighbor and say, go and tell it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you better go and tell it. We all have them. Commonality amongst all of us. We have a story. What are you doing with yours? Absolutely. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the ways, sometimes mysterious, sometimes always on your timetable, not always on ours, the way you move and work in our lives. We thank you for story. Because every Sunday we get to come into spaces like this all across the world and worship the greatest person with the greatest story, and that's you, Jesus. We thank you so much. May you bring that one person into our minds, that classmate, that teammate, that coworker, that family member, that we can be authentic and real with and just say, hey, do you got a minute so I can share my story and help you? Father, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This week in church world is known as the Holy Week. It's known as the Holy Week because this is the week that we're reminded leading up to Easter, Resurrection Sunday, of what Jesus did for you and for me. Friday is what's known as Good Friday. The day that we kind of step back and just realize that Jesus took an immense beating for you and for me. In fact, I know a lot of our art, our Christian art, has sometimes those crosses like way up on a hill, way high up in the air. Remember the Roman government's ruling at this time. The number one torture device is a cross. They actually left those crosses extremely low. Why? So you could walk by the criminals and punch them, mock them, spit on them, whatever you wanted to do. And we're reminded in five or so days the beating that Jesus took. And in fact, this is a picture of the Garden of Gethsemane. Right. Can you go to that slide, please? Where that night before Jesus was crucified, he went into this garden. And he cried out to Jesus. This 
biblical writers, the authors say that he cried so much that he was sweating drops of blood. And his biggest thing is when he went into this garden late at night, he was just saying, God, I don't want to do this. But your will. If it's me that's got to go to the cross for the entire world to be forgiven and made right with you, I'll do it. I don't want to. But your will, Lord. Your will. His body was broken on that cross for you. And that blood dripped off his back as he was flogged beaten as those nails are driven in his wrists and into his ankles for you who was on his heart your name he says I'm doing it for you so this morning as we enter into Holy Week we're going to celebrate what we call communion the representation of Jesus' body and blood that was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. You don't have to be a member at Radiant Life to partake in communion. We just ask one thing to come to the table, just one, that you follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So here's how communion this morning as we celebrate is going to work. We have three stations up front, two on the sides, one in the middle. Same exact in the back. Two on the sides, one in the middle. So there's a total of six stations. The team's going to play softly like they are now. I'm going to invite you when you're ready, when your heart is right with God, to come and grab the gluten-free bread. And the juice... A grateful celebratory heart and give God thanks for what he did now I say this all the time please don't go when the masses come go when you need to go when your heart is right I'm going to pray for the elements and then um, as the team plays when your heart's right you may go to one of the stations and take it as you may Father we humbly come before you, reminded of this greatest story. This is the story that changes lives. This is the story that deals hope. This is the story that deals healing. This is the story that helps us to live life and life to the full. May you bless the elements as we partake and be remembered of that dark day when you gave your son for us because of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
just love times that we can come and worship together, but also moments of laughter and worship, and moments of just to put pause on life, slow down, say thanks God, thank you. At this time our ushers are going to come forward. And as you came into the room, you should have gotten the handout, what we call that piece of paper. And on the bottom, there's that connection card. Those of you that call Radiant Life home, you know, thank you so much for your faithfulness in doing what God has called you to do and being obedient. And you guys, you know what to do with that connection card. Tear it off and put it in the basket. For those of you that are guests at Radiant Life, we just want to say welcome. And thanks for worshiping with us right before Easter. You can grab, uh, take your connection card. Hold on to yours, though. Don't put it in that basket. Take it to Guest Central right outside our lobby. It's the metal structure. We've got a little gift bag just to say thank you for, to you and what you're doing. And just want to say, hey, here we are. And so thank you. Uh, we've also mentioned the last couple uh, weeks ago when we had our halftime, our Come Alive initiative. And for many of you, you've been praying over that and uh, other things. Uh, for the next, this week and next week, you can tear off the bottom of that commitment card if you were one to pick it up. And now's a good time to drop those off in the baskets as well. But I want to be reminded for each and every one of you that these cards, simple invite, who's on your heart? That one day you can bring in and you worship and they're following Jesus now. Maybe you guys take communion together. How awesome. So next week with Easter Resurrection Sunday, we already know it's a little bigger day. We already know this service is already the packed service. So I'm going to ask you. Now some of you are just going to buck the system anyways. That's fine. That's cool. I'm okay with it. Is that maybe some of us would wiggle a little bit to the 8.30 service or wiggle a little bit to the 11.30 service? Is that a fair ask? Just for some of you, I mean, not, a, not the, whole, the whole service, please don't do that, then it screws up the numbers. But just for some of us that are like, hey, I, I'll do the early one next week. We have baptism in all three of them. And you're going to hear stories. We have video testimony of some of their stories, what God's doing. So you're going to see that no matter what. But I just need to make that invite to you that maybe for some of you, go to the last service or come to our early service because this service is always the jam-packed service. All right? Well, hey, I'm going to pray for the offering, and then we are going to close with a song that we introduced last week called Who You Say I Am. And it's about freedom. It's about realizing that God changes lives. Amen? And we got to go, go tell a story so they can tell their story about how God changed their life. So let me pray for the offering, and then as I pray, will you stand and we're going to worship God this morning. Heavenly Father, bless both the gift and the giver. God, I pray that your kingdom would be multiplied, that your story would be told, would be told with a greater boldness, with a greater passion, with courage, with strength. God, will you wreck this community? for you and your kingdom so people can know the freedom that comes in Jesus' name. And we pray this all and everyone said.